All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucks What the fucks? What the fucks? Just an S. Sure, there's more. There's always more. I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. I'm happy you're here. Thank you for coming. Can I just say this at the beginning of the show? If you live in Chicago, I'm there tonight, which I believe is sold out at the Main Stage Theater. I'm also there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I'm doing a total of six shows. I believe there's still tickets left for the weekend shows and the Sunday show, but I know Thursday is sold out. So if you're in Chicago, come on, come on down and see me. Let's make something happen. I promise all the shows will be at least a little different. I got to work out some stuff. What have I got to tell you about today's show? Don Barris is on the show. Don Barris is a very important guy in my life because when I met Don Barris, the period I knew Don Barris, I almost died. I definitely almost died. Now, some of you know the stories. Some of you have heard the tales of uh, Sam Kennison and the comedy store and, and, and what an impact it had on my drug-addled mind. But when I came to L.A., l- let me just paint a picture. All I know is I did five years undergrad in Boston, and that last year was primarily I'd fucked up uh, my real senior year, and I just couldn't handle the workload because, uh, I don't know, because I couldn't. And I was fortunate enough to have parents that were, uh, you know, compliant, had some money to sort of let me stretch it out another year. Thank you, mom. Thank you, dad. I was uh, I was happy you enabled me to waste your money on uh, on that extra year that was necessary for me to uh, to truly get involved in a deeper way with cocaine and drinking. But the point I'm making is that by the time I left college, I was, uh, I, I, I think I had some sort of persona. My heart had already been broken once. I had committed to alcohol as a sort of a way of life. I can, uh, committed to sort of a rock and roll disposition. I thought I was the, I thought I was the shit. When I left college, what did I do? I took a train cross country because I thought that would be the beatnik thing to do. Why not get a sleeper car, take a train, drink your way across country, read some books? I remember I had legs uh, by Kennedy, by uh, what's his first name? The Albany writer? William Kennedy. So I had that book. I had, uh, I think I had Bright Lights, Big City. I had, I think I had Less Than Zero. I was just going to drink in my sleeper car and take that train across country down through the South. I went from New York or Boston to Chicago, got a shoe shine in uh, Union Station, beautiful station. Then I went from Chicago all the way down to Memphis where I got drunk and watched the Peabody Ducks. And then I got, uh, I went from Memphis to Austin, Texas. And that's where I hit the wall. And uh, had to fly southwest from Austin to Albuquerque. I'd had enough of the train. But I thought I was the shit. I was drinking, doing a little blow, heading home. Had a chip on my shoulder. I knew something was happening inside of me that I was that was going to come out one way or the other. I was going to be a stand-up comic. I remember, I remember the train, the sleeper car. It's sort of a romantic notion, but to do it by yourself, basically a sleeper car. The most, uh, the least expensive sleeper car is like sleeping in a bathroom. You bet. You pull down the bed over your toilet. In my recollection. Pow! Look out. Just shit my pants. Just coffee.coop. Hadn't done one of those in a while. So I get back to Albuquerque. I hook up with some woman. I fucking party all summer. Doing blow. Having sex with a woman whose ex was a CIA agent or something. It was crazy. It was all crazy. But then I just loaded up my car. And I went to California. Had a little bit of a monkey on my back. Thought I was the king of cocaine. The king of rock and roll. Uh, you know, an alcoholic wizard. Thought I had it all together, man. Within a few months, I end up at the comedy store. I'm getting around to Don Barris. Now, I went to the comedy store. I got a job as a head doorman, and Don Barris was one of the first guys I met. 
and we went out to lunch and he told me this tale of woe that you would not believe. He wanted to be a comic. He was kind of living out of his car. He was sort of sweeping in the main room. He was definitely at the store. He exuded a sort of weird kind of, uh, it wasn't nervous, but he was very intense and very driven. But I had no idea who he was, but he was one of the first guys I met at the comedy store. And 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 I always, he was one of those guys, he was around, he watched my entire, uh, what would you call it, De- demoralization and, and uh, descent into cocaine psychosis. He was fucking there for all of it. And I hadn't seen him in years. And when I first saw him, when I came back to LA, I was like, holy fuck, Don Barris is still alive and he's doing good. Oh, doing the opening for a for Kimmel show, making movies, doing all kinds of weird shit at the comedy store. In my mind, Don Barris is one of the few people that are still there that really understand the guts of the comedy store. I mean, whatever went on before us in the eighties, we were walking into. But he was there during the Sam thing, during the dicing. But he never left. He was always there. He's one of the only guys I know that was always there from when I got there to now. And he's got it in his heart. He's got it in his soul, that comedy store. And he knows it inside and out. And I want, you know, we're going to fill in some gaps. We're going to talk about Sam. We're going to talk about the store. We're going to talk about Don's crazy fucking story as to how he got out here. Because a lot of you may not know Don Barris, but this was one of the best episodes I ever had because we had this common history. And I don't know if some of you remember the Schubert episode or the Carl LeBeau episode. Of You know, I know the comedy story. Maybe some of you are tired of hearing it, but... There's very few of us that really understand the darkness of that place and definitely become an appendage of that place where it gets into our hearts and our minds. I obviously lost my mind and it took me really after the cocaine psychosis wore off, it took almost, you know, over a decade for that shit to, to, to settle down and not, not walk into that place and have this weird, chaotic, dark, mystical paranoia at the edge of my experience and being there. Hanging out with the abuser. That was what it was like going back to the comedy store. So whenever I'm on stage there, I am transcending trauma. But maybe that's the only reason I do comedy. I, I it's, it's hard to know sometimes. Is it not, comedians? Is it not? So saddle up, folks. Strap in. This is a comedy store-specific episode. This is a, the, the dark, magical castle of comedy-based episode. This is... The structure that is built over an existing gate to hell episode. This has to do with my personal history, with the history of comedy, with the relationship with Don Barris. So lock in. Don Barris is in here. Oh, hey. Don Barris, how hey. are you? Very well. I don't really intro, you know, because I'll do it before. You don't yeah, want to say shit. I know things. exactly what yeah. you're saying. Don. <sighs> yeah. Are you all right? Yeah, I'm doing fine. I'll tell you something. It is tough, and it's so funny because, in a way, uh, when I moved out here, I moved from Michigan. Let's wait. Let's talk about this. Yeah. You were really the first person that I sat down and talked to Yeah, when I came to the comedy store in 1987? No, I would say probably you, maybe 86. I got here in the fall of 85. It was 87, I think. I don't I think just, so. I graduated college. I came out here. It was probably like August of 87. So I was an experienced comic when you got here. Yeah, but yeah, do you remember we went to, like, I don't know, I, I think I'd just gotten the job as a doorman at the store, and then you and I went to, the, like, the Burger Hamlet or someplace that's yeah. not there anymore. I can't remember. Do you remember, us, do you remember us sitting down and talking? I remember this. This is what I remember about you. 
I would have to say that you're one of the cooler people of that class of the people that came around there at the time. And I remember you always had a sense of humor. You were always your political stuff was different than what I was doing. That's for sure. <laughs> and I don't even remember doing political stuff. I remember. Well, according to me, anything yeah. that like, whoa, hey, he's talking with that real language, yeah. like like school stuff. <laughs> I remember that in school. So that's where that came from. But you got to, to me, it's like it was such an important part of my life. All right. So you come from Michigan. But what the hell? Where did you come from? What town? A place called Saginaw. Saginaw, Michigan. Yeah. And uh, do do you have? Did you just grow out of the the ground, or do you have family there? Uh, yeah, of course I have family there. That's where I came from. It was, uh, you know, I lived there. I, I was trying to go to school. I, you know, I don't think that school was the best thing for me, and it just killed me because any every, of it, any of it, high school. Oh yeah, no, I went to college. I went to yeah. college for a long time. Just never graduated. <laughs> You know who Mike August is? Yeah, sure. Yeah, he uh, he's a he's an agent, and he uh, he's Adam's guy now. Yeah, absolutely. He and was an agent. He was. Well, I was starting there, and then I was going to go on. Go but ahead. He said one of the best things because I was always like where I came from. It was always like one of those things. Man, I am not doing what everybody else does, and he was the first guy to say, you know what? You could never. You're always a guy that's think that's outside the box. Yeah. Because I'm not normal. No, <laughs> I, you're not, man. I've known that. Yeah, but when did you, like, what What was your childhood in terms of what your dad do and stuff? Uh, I don't really th- know who my dad was. Really? Is that oh, true? In a way, it was kind of screwy. Because like he wasn't there or you just don't know? When, and this is like to this day, it's one of these things that probably one of the reasons the way I am is my stepdad, my dad divorced my mother and i remember as a kid my mother remarried yeah i remember my dad coming over and not knowing him that well yeah but i remember they were bitching at him and his name was don too and they, yeah don we told you you can't come by here and i remember hearing that and i had no idea what was going on then they told me he was dead yeah after and you had seen him after i'd seen him like i was in high school and yeah. they said that he had died yeah and then people he had supposedly married well he did he married a local weather girl so she was on the air all the time and so she was kind of popular in saginaw michigan her name was barris no 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 oh, she didn't take the name no no. this no. is your well, real dad no th- my real dad was o'connor okay yeah so he married the local weather girl yes <laughs> after they told you that he was dead no this is before they said yeah. he was dead then they said he was dead yeah but people that i knew that went to my high school no he's not dead i've seen him <laughs> So for the long, I mean, I didn't even, I have brothers and sisters that are half brothers and yeah. sisters that I've never met in my life. From his family. From his family, right. What Did you ever meet him? I must have met him at one point. No, but I mean like. like I have very little recollection of the guy. But he was right in town. I don't know that. They never told me anything. But you said people at school were like, yeah, we saw Right, him. exactly, because they saw the woman that was the local weather girl. And who's supposedly him? Uh huh. If does that make sense at all? It does, but it it doesn't make sense to me. That well, no, maybe it does. You didn't never want to pursue. I never did because I wasn't told to. And then I remember when I was in college, I said, you know, I'd like to see my grandparents, my real grandparents. Yeah. And my mother, the minute I said that, oh, they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> that, dead. Yeah. So I had no idea what was going on there. But you're, so your mother probably lied to you 
as a as a as a man who was old enough to make his own decisions, right. you're in college. Right. She could have just said, "Oh, they're right." You, I think it's okay for you to go. Exactly. And she had encouraged me to go see them before they passed away. Then when I wanted to do it, oh no, they're dead. Everybody's dead. Everybody's dead. <laughs> a lot of, and from what I understand, it happens the older you get. <laughs> so when you grew up, it was with a stepdad and this guy that wasn't around or alive right. or vague well my stepdad wasn't around that long either i kind of grew up just with my mother yeah and my brother and sister yeah was she all right yeah yeah she was all right <laughs> yeah. i mean you know it's uh, you look back in life and yeah. it's if you had the information you have later when you're a kid you can yeah. understand but boy she was never around but she was a very attractive lady yeah and divorced yeah so yeah. She she dated and she had, and why would you want to bring some guy to stay at your place when you've got three fucking monsters there? <laughs> so, because believe it or not, I was probably a pretty wild kid. Were you the oldest? Yep. Man, so your mom's just out partying. I don't know if she was partying. She always had a boyfriend. Right. Yeah. So Isn't it weird when you get older and you realize, like, of course. Oh, of that. course. You look at it when you're a kid, you have no Where idea. Where are they? Right. But when you get older, then you realize, oh, whoa. And you go out with a woman with three kids yeah. who doesn't want to go to her house. <laughs> I don't want to go over there. Exactly. <laughs> I know who you are. You're my mom. Yep. But when you, uh, so when you went to college, what was that about? Did you have any idea what you are doing? No, I had no idea whatsoever. Was state school or what? Pardon me? State school or yeah. what? Yeah. I went to Michigan State and got kicked out after two semesters. For doing what? Just terrible grades. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't have any fun? Uh, it was a totally different social scene that I'd ever been involved in, in my life. And I had a hard time with what it. What were you used to? What kind of kid were you? Were you a jock? Were you... I was a jock. You were, right? Yeah. Football player? Football, basketball, baseball. Really? All of it? Yeah. And you were good at it? Uh, because I went to a, a boarding school when I was a sophomore, I played varsity football there. So yeah. I lettered three times. Our team went to the state championship. I was... I was a starter, so, you know, I wasn't bad. You bad. were a fucking football jock. Uh, what I'd happened play, to you? What do you mean? Look at <laughs> you. Still a fo football <laughs> jock. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What did you do? Nothing. Were you just... I was the guy that you made fun of in the hall. No, I never made fun of anybody. You know okay. what? I was what? class clown. You were? Yeah. So you are a big, goofy football guy. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to judge you. No, I wasn't. But I was voted Mr. Irresistible my senior year. So you were you were a very attractive man. Uh, I don't know if it was that or it was just that, you see, every week I'd get up. We, Like I said, our football team in high school went to the state championship my senior year. So every week there was, you know, we'd have pep assemblies. Yeah. They'd always want me to do something on stage. Because you're like a yeah. goofball? Yeah, I guess so. Wow, you're a big. I don't like. It's so weird because my memory. You like there when I was at the comedy store, and I've talked about this in the podcast before. That year of my life was so insane. Yes, and so uh, you know, it's just seared into my memory. And oh. you were always there. I mean, yeah. we were together a lot. When, oh, like, man. and there was all this weirdness going on. But so okay, so you you go to you go to high school. You're uh, you did all this sports. You're a pretty popular guy. You can still throw a ball. Did you yes. play in college? Or no. So you went to college, you got kicked out after two semesters? Came back, just went to, went to uh, junior college, tried to get back in. Doing what? What were you looking to do? Uh, I got a business management degree, an associate's degree, and I thought, oh, I'll transfer all this back, you know, and get into business. Yeah. Because I always wanted to give show business a shot, but I said, 
everybody oh you got to wait until you get an education wait Mm -hmm. until you have something to fall back on and it just became just i mean i would go through trying to study for tests and i would just spend literally hours reading the same book over and over again so process it no absolutely how long were you in school for uh six years so you stayed there yeah you read that book a lot (laughs) a hell of a lot (laughs) regret it man so wait, so you, okay, so you get your business degree, your business management degree. Yeah. And you were like, all right, I'm, I'm going to go to f- go back to school. When I went back to school, none of those credits transferred. So I just, they were all general. And I'm like, oh, geez, all this work that I put in. Now it means nothing at this school. So you went to community college for like yeah. six years? No, 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 oh, no. for no. two years. Yeah, and then I and went they, back. And they wouldn't take any of them. They, no, they were all general credits. So did you eventually get your degree? Never. <laughs> I finally said, this is it. The final straw was... Uh, my family had a little money, and one of the things I owned um, when my grandfather died, yeah. he, he left me the property of a bank. Yeah. And this is kind of crazy, because yeah. uh, I said, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm either, I'm going to try to do something. I was DJing, and that's the way I was making money. I would DJ frat parties and sorority parties and weddings. Yeah. And it was pretty good. So you just spinning records and talking? Well, or? I would talk, and it was a great way to get into comedy, yeah. because- if something didn't work, dun, 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 dun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was easy. But uh, I, I went to, uh, I finally had this thing. All right, I'm going to try and get some business, some extra money, yeah. finish school, yeah. and then, then get out of here. If I don't get this loan, now here was the loan I was going to get. I was going to borrow money from a bank. Yeah. Now the bank was a bank that was in my name. They paid me rent every month. Really? Yeah. Because yeah. I owned the bank. That was something my grandfather the building. gave me. The property. Yeah. So they had to pay me rent. Yeah. They turned me down for that loan. And I was saying, wow. They could, couldn't use the property as collateral? That's what I did. But I believe to this day my grandmother said, no, don't let them have it. <laughs> so. Uh, what happened to that property? Uh, they eventually sold it when I came out here. And I'm, that's how I kind of lived a little bit. Yeah. When I came out here. So when did you pack up? So you didn't get your loan. So what, what was the, how did, how would, how did you leave Michigan? Uh, You're like, fuck it. Or you told no, you. No, 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 no. I put everything that I owned in a U-Haul, yeah. drove out here, yeah. uh, Baker, California. I had all my money in a camera bag. I had over $10,000 in a camera bag. I was a real freaking hillbilly if there ever was. You and took I, out $10,000? No, I had more than that. In cash? In cash. And you put well, it. actually, I put in traveler's checks, but because I only had my driver's license, it was tough to cash these things. Yeah. And so what I did when I was in Vegas, they'll cash anything. So I cashed all my traveler's checks, and in Baker, California, I stopped for gas. Yeah. I remember going to the bathroom <laughs> and then coming out, and the guy said, hey, you know what? I'll tell you something. There's gas a little cheaper down the road. We we really charge a lot. Why don't you go down the road? Uh, whoa, and I thought people in California weren't nice. Yeah. Well, what they had done is gone in my bag and taken my camera bag with all of my money, over $10,000. The people at the gas station. It must have been. But what? I went back there. I had a car that I was in tow. I got in that car. I drove back. I questioned them. Oh, no, we don't know anything about it. But they ripped me off for ten grand. Oh, my God. Yeah. So you didn't even make it to Los Angeles. No. And they stole $10,000 out of your car. So you unhooked your car from the tow and drove back there? Drove back. Absolutely. From where? How far did you go? Maybe 10 miles. Oh, my God. And I was like the entire time I'm weaving through traffic. I'm like, oh, those motherfuckers. And I'm like, oh. It was 
really, really intense because this is all the money. Thank goodness I put $3,000 that I didn't cash in traveler's checks. Where was that? Uh, actually in the glove box. So I had that. Oh, my God. What were you thinking with $10,000? <laughs> oh. All right, so that's how I you... made a lot of mistakes. So... <laughs> <laughs> I made a lot of mistakes. All right, so all right, so now you're like now your attitude about going to LA has got to have changed. Uh, you yeah, know? but but you see, my theory when I came out here, yeah, win or lose, I do not give a shit. This is my last chance. I hey, how old do you like? Twenty two, twenty three. Yeah, I said I'd rather die. Twenty four, actually. Yeah. So I said I'd rather die than do anything but this. This is this is I'm putting every I, I'm all in. Mm-hmm. So you get here with your three thousand dollars in traveler's check, <laughs> right? And your car in tow. Yeah. And what's the first thing you do? Uh, <laughs> all my stuff in a storage area. Yeah. And when I took it to the top, I came down. Yeah. When I came back, everything of value was stolen from my storage area. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> I swear to God, it was the roughest thing. I had no place to stay. Right before I left, I was. I had a friend yeah. who had a girlfriend that was in the uh, play Cats at the Schubert Theater. Yeah. And when I came out here, I was supposed to stay with her. The day before I left, her mother had called and said she didn't like the idea and I couldn't stay there. So I had no place to go. My money was taken. Now even my belongings, most of the good ones were stolen. Well, I don't understand. So you, you, you put it in the storage locker. I put it in the storage locker. Yeah. Didn't have... And I was just unloading it from the truck, going up the elevator, right. and put it in. Well, then somebody blocked the elevator for a long time, and I said, is there a way up there? Nope. This is downtown. Los Angeles. Yeah. So they were. someone knew this scam. Somebody clearly. Uh, yeah. Well, they got away with some. They got away with my TVs. They got away with anything of value, because they just opened it up how, and just- how many- how many days after the uh, uh, the, uh, the since I got, when I got here? No, how many days after the ten thousand dollars did this happen? Uh, within a uh, two weeks. <laughs> oh yeah. God. All right. So <laughs> probably less than that. Actually, I'm trying to picture you just. <laughs> oh just yeah. Yelling or what'd you do? Uh, I was like, you know, uh, I actually think I tried to act like tough, like I had connections or something like that. Didn't they have videos or anything that they? nothing no it's very funny i remember going to the police and in baker california and talking to the guy about the 10 grand yeah and reporting it and and just letting it know can you let these guys know that back in michigan you don't think i came out here stupid right i've got connections back there and i'm telling the cops this and they were showing me a map they're saying this is our jurisdiction right here this is what we cover you know we find in the the desert all the time dead bodies the cop said that yeah yeah and i was like i wonder if this is a message to me <laughs> so i just kind of well there goes ten thousand dollars all right so okay so you lose your shit you ripped off at the at the storage locker you got no place to stay yeah and you got where well, you got you return the trailer and you have a car right you got a car and that hasn't been stolen the no not yet and i actually put a lock on the the storage well, what so was it, left in there not a lot of stuff Mm-hmm. And, and in hindsight, you know, to spend the money I did to ship everything across and drive across country, <laughs> I should have planned a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so now you paid for a storage locker, so you're down to, what, <laughs> two grand? Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. And like that. And so what I did, real quick, I yeah. got someplace way the fuck out of town. There was a guy that had 
there was four people living in this house yeah. and it was really the cheapest rent I could find. Yeah. Remember, he was big. The whole entire kitchen, he had, was playing some war game yeah. where he had maps and everything. And he had, yeah. it, was, it was insane. How'd you find out about this place? Through the newspaper. I, oh, no. Just a roommate thing? Yeah, it was yeah. a roommate thing. And there's three other guys. Yeah. And I remember I did the, because I came from Michigan yeah. and there wasn't a lot of, let's say, different people. Yeah, yeah. And I remember the guy said, oh, by the way, the guy who's not here, he's going to be across the hall from you. Yeah. I hope it's cool. He's homosexual. Yeah. And I must have just had a face that looked like, whoa, whoa, what? (laughs) Yeah. Because then the entire time, that guy, you hate fags, don't you? And he would pound on my door just to wake me up. Oh, it was was torture. So you moved in there. Moved in there. And the guy came home, the gay guy. Right. And he had heard that, I guess my expression wasn't the best when they said, oh, because I had no idea. So let me get it straight. So there's a war games going on. The war games in the kitchen. Yeah. And across from my bedroom, there's a gay guy very upset with me because he thinks I'm real homophobic. And how long did you live there? Uh, three months. <laughs> <laughs> and was he drinking or something? Or He would drink sometimes. And he'd just start pounding on your door? He would No, it wouldn't be like five minutes. Of, it would just like in the middle of the night, boom, boom. Yeah. And then he'd go to his room like just to fuck with me, just to wake me up. It was really, really scary, and I was like, what am I doing here? What part, you, do you even remember what part of town that was? It was, I just remember driving, because I had a job on Olympic working at a video store. I got that right away, and I drove an hour to get there every morning on the California freeways. Yeah. Ugh. So you're working at a video store. Yeah. And, and so, okay, so where do you go after the three months? Well, t- well then after the three months, I decided I'm going to sleep in front of the video store. Just sleep in your yeah. car? Yeah. Okay. So I'd sleep in my car. And a kind of a crazy thing that happened during that time. Do you know who Doc Ellis is? I do know that name. Was that uh He probably became infamous because he was a pitcher, a major league baseball player. Right. And he pitched like a no hitter when yeah. he was on L S D. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, he was a regular customer there. And you knew who he was. And I knew who he was. Yeah. And uh there was a uh, he another thing that he did, and it was like the coolest story. I was like, it made everything worth it when he told me this story about yeah. you know Reggie Jackson. Yeah, you've heard of him. Well, uh, in the early there was an All Star game in Detroit that he hit this home run that almost went out of the entire park. It right. was off Doc Ellis, his yeah. pitcher. So the next year in spring training, he told me how he hit him in the back of the head with a ball during the game. <laughs> yeah, it was just like. What a bizarre thing. And uh, anyway. he, he confessed to you as a yeah. sports fan. No, he's a guy that would give him free videos. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's a big star. I'm going to give you whatever the fuck you want if you talk to me. So, yeah. so that made your day. Yeah. That he popped fucking Reggie Jackson on purpose. Well, just the story that I'd never heard before. Yeah. All right. So you're sleeping in your car in front of the video store. Ugh. Hot was it hot? It was the worst, and I remember. What the owners think? Anything? Uh, the the main owner, the guy that hired me, was just into cocaine. Yeah. So I don't think he cared at all. Yeah. Did he ever try to get you to do blow? Because I remember you weren't really into blow. Oh, I gave it a shot. <laughs> well, I mean, after like towards when well, I had to... never done it in my life. Right. But I think I was around when you tried it for the first time. Oh, yeah, you were. Oh, yeah, you were. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was, I remember the night, I think. You may have. 
I mean, okay, but let's let's get there slowly because this is getting better. Okay, so you're sweeping in front of the video store, yeah, working for the blow market. And, and one of the one of the worst things, I mean, it it made me feel like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Yeah. I mean, I'm asleep, and people would come like an hour early on their way to work to return videos, and they would knock on my window and wake me up. Hey, can I just leave this with you? And I, oh, geez, seriously, yeah. So they knew you from the store, yeah. And I mean, how humiliating. How fucking humiliating! Because I'm sure I'm drooling like, ugh. <laughs> so vulnerable. They just look into the window, and you didn't cover the windows, right? No. Nope. Well, I couldn't really. What kind of car was it? It was actually like a uh, the I can't even remember. It was like the size of a Vega. And all your shirts and shit were in there. Yep. Where'd you shower? Uh, I'd go in the back in the bathroom. Yeah. And shower in there. So you did the homeless guy shower. Yep. There was the shower back there? No, there was just on the sink. I would just I'd scrub up. Oh my god, up. Oh. man! Oh, I know. So what? What? What made? What changed, dude? What? I mean, when did you? What happened? Like, well, I, I started going. I mean, I started going to the comedy store. What, just that you were like fucking. No, I knew that that was the place I was going to go. And so when you were working at the video store. When I was working the video store, you drive your house. I drive my house <laughs> and my and everything I own. Yeah to the comedy store and I remember the very first time trying to pull in the lot yeah and who do you think the very let's see if you can remember this it's a very popular person it'll make sense who was the very first person that I saw when I pulled in and said no you can't park here who was the very first very first person kind of at that time would represent the entrance level of the comedy store uh the entrance level of the comedy store yeah uh Harris Pete nope oh shit the the Todd. The Todd. Todd Wemish. Yeah. He was the first guy. First guy that I saw, hit a little thing blinking, uh, he can't can't park here. Was and he working the lot then? He was working the lot. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so what, you went and parked. Tell me, please tell me your car got towed. No. Oh. But I remember one of the first days going up there, I hit a median. Like, where's this comedy store? And I hit a median driving there. Yeah. Oh. So what were you, what was your plan when you got there? I just wanted because when I would DJ back at those college fraternity parties yeah. and all that, I could get a lot of people laughing. Yeah. So I thought, okay, I'm going to try and do stand up comedy. Yeah. I had no idea how to do it. Yeah. And so I I had heard about the comedy store so much. Yeah. And when I got there, I said, okay, this is where I'm going to stay. And you did, yeah, for twenty uh, years now. More than that. Has it been that long? Yeah, it, is, oh, it has been. Yeah, you've like you were like part of that place. Oh yeah, you probably have more tenure there. There's only just a couple of old comics that have uh, been there longer than the, you. The only person that I ever see, I see uh, Barry Diamond, Argus, Argus, those Jeff are the, Altman. Never see him. Does he still get spots there? Occasionally, I've seen him there a couple of times. I never see those guys, but I always just I close the show every single night. You took that spot on purpose, though. Yeah, because you know what? There's a spot that nobody gives a shit, and you can do anything you want. Oh. I guess I got to frame some of this stuff. So, okay, Todd Lemish was a guy that went by the name the Todd, the Todd, and he became a comedy store regular. He did not really surface as a, a big comic uh though he thought he would yes and then you know i guess over time after i had gone he became increasingly more bitter and something exploded in his head um, i think the couple things about that you remember sparky a little guy Spark that, randy chervitz randy chervitz okay one of the things that 
supposedly it was from crack cocaine. I, yeah, okay, I believe that. He had okay. an aneurysm. Right, and he had an aneurysm. But Sparky always believed that he was faking it because he got to the point where he said, you know what, realistically, I ain't going to make it. And this is a chance for my mother to take care of me the rest of my life. Really? That's what he said, and I try to look at it from that angle, and there were some things that he did that might make me believe that that was real. When did you start living in the main room? Uh, wow. Because you got, how did, okay, let's get back to your life. So you go, you meet Todd, you, and then you, what, how, what happens after that? Well, that might be coming close to the time I lived in the main room. I, I, I remember what, it, Todd was kind of like, he kind of ran things at the entry level, like I said. He was the guy that MC. You became that guy. I became that guy, but it was after Todd. Aren't became, you that guy now? Uh, I hopefully I'm not where Todd was. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I mean, like he was a comic. But the what people should realize is at the at the comedy store at that time, all you wanted to do was stay out of the out of uh, Mitzi's line of fire, right? And then you just ran your own business there. Every the lunatics were running the asylum. Absolutely, and it's why it's the greatest place in the world for <laughs> yeah. some reason. I mean, there's no organization. Every person in management that I've ever talked of say it's a zoo and they should get the get the hell. Nobody's gonna go there. <laughs> to see you but it's like a people are going now place. oh absolutely it's like back oh and I'll, I'll tell you but you know we you must have been there at the time that they were doing like three shows in the main room on friday and right. saturday and two upstairs right it was like that's when it was just like my god the money tree really? was, but apparently in the 70s it was pretty big too bigger I, than that well i remember i think there were two or there were two maybe two shows in the main room maybe three I, and then I just remember that Monday nights were the fucking oh. at that time when when like Sam was coming up and like yeah. it, was, it was fucking nuts. It was, uh, it was an insane nuts. asylum for sure. It, like everyone in Hollywood, all the drug freaks and the porn stars and everyone was fucking converging on that place. Every single night, Ron Jeremy would be there with two other porn stars. It was a trip, man. Coke dealers everywhere. Everywhere. Oh. I could name them all. <laughs> 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 but but okay so you get there when did you audition when did you get the job uh what i did i was scared to death of mitzi so anytime she'd come in the room i wouldn't go on yeah and if i was in the middle of my act i'd do something else the thing that she had done is she gave me the mc of the potluck so i would monday night yeah, yeah. so i would just bring and you know in a way because that place got to the point where it was just so crazy and then gunshots happened because it was the the back hallway you couldn't walk through it and then the rooms were packed it was a zoo there and there was nobody stopping people from coming in it was just everywhere you looked and there was problems there were fights cocaine and then somebody sh fired a gunshot in the main room and everybody left and mitzi said nope we're canceling monday nights and they tried to do it sunday nights and they'd have me mc from seven o'clock till two thirty in the morning every sunday yeah but it was a marathon. But that was after Sam. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because yeah, I... Because I, I left. Because I, I was gone. You left, but wait, let's I go left back. at the same time you did. You did? Yeah. Okay, so wait, let's go back. So so when did you audition and when did you end up living there? When did you audition for I Mitzi? never auditioned for it. She just one day said, you're a paid regular. Why, were you already like hanging out? I When I came there, I started hanging out. And, and actually, the Todd, he was emceeing upstairs. And I went upstairs... 
and he would always want to do blow through through the potluck nights on yeah. Monday nights. Yeah. Well, I said I'll take over emceeing, so I did. And I remember, were you ever afraid of Mitzi? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people to this day, I think Bobby Lee, like Bobby Lee's done numerous movies, he's on TV shows, and yet she would come in the room even at this state, like a couple of years ago. He wouldn't go on. And I mean, that's the way I was, and I think a lot of people. And so one day, I was after emceeing. She came up to me the next day. And she had that office right near the belly room. Yeah, that. have you ever been in there? Yeah, a weird. couple times. Really weird. Like all this weird artifacts from Ciro's and pictures of random comics like Craig T. Nelson with a beard. <laughs> and, and you just, that's where the supposed suicide note from Lebeckin was put in. Yeah. And you always wondered how anybody got in there. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like a door. It's like this weird Art Nouveau door at the end of that dark hallway. Because I was I was on the phones. I was on the door. You know, I was in like, you know, I, I, you were just sort of terrified of her. And like, God forbid, if you were seating a room, someone was sitting in her fucking booth. <sighs> oh. Like one time, like, I think one time, like, I remember it. It was like Bruce Willis and and fucking Rodney Dangerfield or, or I can't, who was it? It was a celebrity. Right. And she walks in she's like, what the hell is he doing sitting there? And I'm like, what was I supposed to do? And where was the cutoff? For how, how am I supposed to fucking know? Uh, and then you never knew when you were going to be kicked out or uh, banned. Or, and I was living in fucking Crest Hill and whatever. People you, no, heard this story. Uh, uh, but they just, she just had... You were just terrified of her for some reason. I don't know what we thought she was going to do. We all just wanted her to love us, and she was so nuts. Oh, I, I just, but the th crazy thing, she would drive into the parking lot, and it was like, I've never seen a woman this powerful. And I remember she'd never go- In that go spider? In that the yeah, convertible? exactly. She'd pull in that parking space, and she'd have a line of like 15 people that would just want to go up and kiss her ass as she walked into the club. And most of them, get away from me. Yeah. Oh, she was heartless sometimes. Yeah. And she, with her feather boa, right. some weird fucking <laughs> outfit on. But she was so fucking powerful. And you heard these rumors of, like, she'd go to Vegas once a week and bring back over $100,000 from the take. I never heard that. Oh, they really? drive cash. Yeah. Oh, she was making money handed. What a what a lucky damn person. So what did you how when did you start living at the club? Uh I know that I lived there for about seven months. And what I would do, I wouldn't live in there because I, I never asked. And I think Mitzi's attitude, because I think somebody told me once that she said, uh just don't just don't bother him. She let me, so she'd see me sleeping in my car, and what I would do normally is I would sleep in my car, and when the janitors came in to open the place up, and I should have reported some because they were always late, uh, yeah. <laughs> and and so then I'd just sleep in there. You're sleeping in the lot. I, I'd sleep in the lot, and then during the day I'd sleep backstage of the main room. That must have been good. Uh, it's it's like a lot of things of that time. I'm glad I experienced it, but I could never do it again. Well, it was, you, you wouldn't want to. Right. But Even though it's nicer back there. <laughs> a lot nicer, but boy, oh boy, what a time. Because back then it was just, it was that row of horrible mirrors in that one shitty room. Right. There was no shower, nothing. No shower. There was a toilet. And that's where I actually think that I came in my only contact in the 20-some years I've been around there with a ghost. Did you? Yeah. Uh, and it was one of those things. You remember Angel Salazar, right? Yeah, of course. Shut Check it out. Man. Here we uh, go. Remember when he had that huge black guy he hired to let him make him not do blow? 
and he, it was almost like he, 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 he there was like this seven foot black dude who wore a pimp hat and little angel like you just never knew what check it out my non-blower doer <laughs> yeah so but he would always like on the weekends he would have all his props and he'd just leave them there because he'd always close the show yeah so the next day he'd come back and pick them up so one day i hear walking down the hall i hear all this walking and i'm sleeping on the floor in that little bathroom area and i think oh i bet you that's angel and I keep hearing it. Now the door opens. Well, I don't want to look like I'm sleeping at the comedy store. I mean, yeah. I have some pride. Yeah. But I feel something walk over me, go into the bathroom, shut the door. Now I'm waiting for them to leave. Nobody ever leaves. I finally get up. I knock on the door and I open it. Nobody was in there. Oh, my God. So I may have fallen asleep, but that may be my only confrontation. But there with was the always ghost a there. rumor that there was a ghost there, right? Harris Pete used to talk oh, about it. A lot of people. But I, I sometimes wonder if. Those are just tales. Who the hell knows with that place? Yeah. I mean, you, it's. I guess it's relative to whether you believe that shit or not. Yeah. I remember Roseanne one night crying in a booth, and she came up to me and was like just crying. Yeah. Because she had gotten heckled, and Kinnison was up there, and she was saying things like, he, why do they do that? He's a flat slob like me. Why do they do that to me? And I was like, wow. And then she had already been on the Tonight Show. And then shortly that was before I got there, that yeah. was like eighty six, eighty seven. Yeah, probably. Yeah, like right before I got there, because she didn't come around at all when I was oh, there. Oh, she was there. It was just like Damon and Keenan Ivory Wayne's. They both were there all the time. And I mean, it was like when you look at it. It's like wow, what a what a lineup! And you were you and Sam were like you know the, you did not get along. Well, here was the thing: Sam thought that I did something because I think Sam was kind of like, "Why do you guys hang out with this guy?" To you, no, yeah. to all the guys about you, about me. Yeah, right? I was I was privy to that because I was living up there and I'd been sucked in by Carl and I'm already oh. hanging out with Sam doing the blow, losing my mind up there oh. for a while. There was like Sam was like you know Don Paris, yeah, a bully. That guy calling you a bully. Right. That was the funniest thing. It's like, is he really calling anybody a bully? Oh, is it was. It was. It was the craziest. Of and and all I remember times. eventually you got scared because he was. Oh, like, I got scared because he he had a big thing. I don't know if you remember this during the uh, let's say the the meetings at the table because at one point so many people said nice things about me when he was like controlling the coke and people were listening to everything he say. Yeah, I, and they were still. Like people were saying, no, he's a funny guy. Right, I remember this. So yeah. he would come up and he would, he had to see what I was about. Yeah. So for about a three month period. Yeah. I just fell right into that. Oh, wait a minute. What? Why is all this cheese? Whoa, what yeah. an opportunity. Yeah. I didn't see the mousetrap, but boy, what a head. What, for a three months punter? What? Three headline? months. It was like he'd bring everybody up there after the club closed. He'd go up there and spend a little time around that table just talking. I don't know. I was living I know. There. Oh, no, no. I yeah. know. I know. Yeah. It was the scariest time. I Why? still am Why? haunted. Why? Are you still haunted by that at all? No. I, 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 when I got... I'll, I'll tell you about that in a minute. But what was? what do you think you did? Uh, I think he thinks... Oh, that you fucked him up. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> You know, it was very funny. He did something, the funniest thing, because then at that Let point- Let me set this up. Tamayo Otsuki was a Japanese comedian who lived in Crest Hill where I lived and had gone out with Sam. I don't even know how long they went out, but it was before I even got there. Right. And he would come over. I thought it was because of my company, but it was really just because <laughs> he could fucking use that house and he'd get all fucked up and go pound on her door and say, Tamayo! I don't know how she put up with that. So he had somehow got into his head- 
that yeah. you had slept with her. Yeah. Okay. And but what was the trap like for three months? Like, you, well, I think that what he he wanted to see what I was about and why anybody would go up against him and say, "No, this guy's cool." And I think the main guy was John Nicaforis because he kind of had known Sam for a long time and yeah. he had been really cool with him. So I think that it was just I just remember he had this thing like during those little sessions when everyone's a little paranoid, they'd start whispering May twenty fourth or something like right, that. Right, right. It was like. Well, what the hell is May twenty fourth? Yeah, but it was like his day of reckoning, uh-huh. and that was when he was supposed to get even with everybody, because Sam put that date in there, but he didn't even keep <laughs> that date proper. <laughs> right, but he just came down on a lot of fucking people. Yeah, no, he. Tr- I didn't realize like what the first thing he did. Like I had the falling out, but then I kept hanging around. But then they were all icing me. But then he was calling people like Johnny Zapp and stuff to not book me, because like yeah, so I got spit out. And Mitzi didn't support me at all. No, she was like, "Oh, what happened? He peed on your bed. <laughs> he kicked your like." She was making fun of me, right? And I was losing my mind. Oh. I was like, I was psychotic from drug use, and like, you know, even Majid, the drug dealer, didn't want to talk to me. He was like, "You should go." The drug dealer telling me to right. go. And you have too. I went back to Michigan for four months. Thank God. And what I did is this because people, what I didn't want to be is one of those guys that owed people money. Because a lot of people would like, hey, like Todd, he didn't care. He'd stay in somebody's house and they'd have to literally go to court to get rid of him. Uh, And I just, I didn't want to be that person. So I slept in my car and then I realized, and the last guy, Rick Wright, you remember Rick Wright, don't you? The guitar, yeah. Yeah. Is he alive still? He's alive and he's working in England, I believe. And he was like, his big claim to fame, he was on the... uh, Pee Wee Herman HBO special. Right. Rick and Ruby, they were part of that. But I always liked Rick, and he uh, let me stay at his place, and he said, yeah, I'm going to charge you this amount. I said, well, I don't have money now, but I will get it to you. And I made. Sh- I went back to Michigan. I worked. Doing what? Uh, actually, a buddy of mine got me a job working at a warehouse at a grocery place. Yeah. It was the worst thing. I mean- And this is after you and I, like, we used to do, you know, Todd used to do his illusions. You were doing your Bob Hope yep. impression. Yep. You never really got an act, but you did Bob Hope, and right. you had a good time. Right. You'd get up there, you had a lot of energy, and you were laughing. Right. And we were all, you know, we were just hanging out and it was fucking a, off. It was a crazy time, and it's a time that I don't think I'd ever want to take away from my memory. Yeah. Just because- I still look at Sam as one of the great comics of all time. It took you a while. To, it took all of us a while to sort of like once you got stuck in the mire of his fucking horrendous ego. Right. There's really no getting out of it. But there was no denying that. Like to watch him on those Monday oh. nights, it was fucking crazy. I just remember if they didn't get him immediately. Ah, looks like I'm gonna have to work tonight. <laughs> and, and it was just. And then he would take it from there. Yeah. And I remember one of the greatest shows I ever saw was like he was like they did a he was with. Tommy Chong, Paulie, and they did something in Vegas on a New Year's Eve. And the night before, on the New Year's Eve Eve, he was at the comedy store, and it was a packed place, and they sold it out. And I just remember it was a night that he couldn't, he, they didn't buy him at first. Yeah. So he went on, and he did an hour, all new material, all just killer stuff, spur of the moment stuff, and I thought, wow. Did you respect him as a comic? Absolutely. Yeah, it's just, I don't think there's anybody like him. And it's so funny because people that never saw him live. You didn't like him initially, though. Oh, I, when I came out here? Yeah. I loved him. Yeah. In 1985, that's when uh, he had just done the Rodney Dangerfield special. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He was, it was like, here's a guy from a different planet. He's doing comedy that's never been done yeah, before. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
And so I didn't like the fact that he was telling people to get rid of me. <laughs> that was a part of him that I didn't think was great. I remember one time, I remember one time he confronted me. He yeah. started screaming at me. Uh, was, he, he took uh, me in the back. Yeah. And I, hey, Sam, why are you yelling at me? And I think he kind of respected me standing up to him. I go, yeah. I'm not going to take that. Yeah. And then I realized, oh, I should have never said that. Well, if he didn't have a lot of guys around, I mean, it wasn't. Oh, no. Of, he was about five, six, yeah. five, seven. Yeah, he's a little guy. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, you know. so it was, but uh, where was I? Was told, oh, you were working in a grocery warehouse and you uh, owed Rick yeah. Wright money. And so I just paid him all back and I came back here and I said. You uh, went and worked for the money to pay Rick Wright back? Yeah. And that's why you left? That's why I left because I couldn't get a job here and somebody offered me a place to stay there for a few months. So I just went there. I just wanted to have a clean record here. I don't. I didn't want to use anybody, dude. I packed up my car. You know, when I left, I was hearing voices in my head. Oh. I had I had a mental breakdown in the parking lot of the comedy store. Yeah, I remember one night you came up to me begging for me to save your life. Really? Yeah, you were. Girl's gonna fucking kill me, man. I no, it's gonna be okay. Trust me. They're just they're just fucking with you, man. That's and I tried telling you that's what they do. They're just fucking with your head because I remember what happened. Do you re really? Yeah. What was that about? That was about fucking. I'm just hanging around. You know, I live in Crestville, and I walk down to the comedy store to have coffee and fucking you know during the day right. and listen to my CDs in the OR. And I'm just hanging. I'm just in the parking lot in the middle of the day, and fucking Christy, Carl's wife, drives up in this new car, the RX-7, the red RX-7. I actually remember that. Yeah. And she's like, you want to go for a ride in the new car? And I'm like, yeah, that sounds fun. So we're smoking a joint, driving up around Maholan. You know, we're just cruising around. And then she drops me back off. And that night, I'm like, Carl, I, I took a ride in your car. It's great. And he goes, yeah, really? I haven't driven in that fucking car yet. And I'm like, okay. He's like, what were you doing in my car? What Christy came up? Oh, really? Uh, so you're up? With, you're driving around uh, with Christy? And I'm like, what's oh, happening? Geez. You know, and then like. Then he fucking loses it on me. And then like, so I'm all freaked out because I'm, they, they fucking stripped me down. I spent hours and hours at these motherfuckers. I, you know, they owned me. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, I know. Mentally. And, and then like, and then all of a sudden like, you know, Carl's not talking to me. And I'm like, what, what's happening? And then like, you know, Sam, like, I don't remember the timeline of it. You know, he shows up and I'm like, what's going on, man? I you know, I don't understand what's going on. You know? And then he takes me out in the parking lot, puts his arm around me with one of those Sam things. or Carl? Sam. He goes, you know, you never want to put a man in a position where he has to trust you. I'm like, what? Oh. what? What's happening? And I didn't do anything. I know. So then, like, you know, then it just got worse. It was like peckinpah <laughs> shit. It was like like mental mafia shit. Oh. And, you know, so I'm freaking out. And, and, and Sam's like, don't worry, I'll smooth it out. So now I'm going to owe my life to Sam. <laughs> so it must have... It must have been around that time where I'm like, I, I think Carl's going to kill me. Oh, yeah. And I, I mean, you were you were definitely afraid. You were like, you were just out of your mind. Because you see, and I had just gone through that because I remember one night. They, I kind of remember that because you, you sort of, despite everything else, you didn't let these guys get to you. Oh, but they did. <laughs> they, they, they fucked with my head to the point where, I mean, I, the one night they, they had me. And this was the biggest head fuck of my life. I just kept hearing, like Christy LeBeau would say it, Carl would say it. Every time I turned my head, you shouldn't have done it, man. And I turned my head and I'm coked up. Shouldn't have done it, man. Did you know what they were talking about? Yeah. Oh, the Tamayo thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so- Did I you do it? 
Well, first of all, what that, difference does it make now? <laughs> it just is. We were very good friends. Uh huh. We were very good friends, and so he walked. So I said, Sam, can I talk to you? And we we're going out on the the. So they were really saying that too, weren't they? Yeah, you know, they really were. Oh. Fuck yeah. They just walked by and- No, no, no. We were all at the table. You shouldn't have and done so, it. You shouldn't have done it, man. And I'd look, because I know I heard it, and then they would act like nothing was going on. Uh, and I remember they- This is after I left. No, you were still there. Oh my God. And I remember I remember saying to Sam, Sam, can I talk to you? And I went, we went on the, the uh, porch of Crest Hill, and where everybody came, and I go, hey- I'm not going to do anything. Please, let me just talk to fucking Sam because I'm not, now I'm hyperventilating. Yeah. I think I'm. I said, listen, I just don't want to die. I'll just whatever you want me to do. I go, I'll, I'll get out of here. And you know what he said? What? He goes, he put his arm around. He goes, Ugh. the only thing I can say is this. Sometimes you got to pay for things you did. But never quit comedy. I've watched you. And th- when he said that, never quit comedy. Yeah. He said it in something that Mitzi said. Yeah. And I said, I'm never going to quit. Yeah. Don't because kill me. That. Yeah. Uh, and I was dead serious. I really thought they were going to kill me. And right there, I said, I got to get out of here. But because- So that was the end of it? But, but see, that's what they, like, ugh, man. <laughs> they ran us out of there, dude. Oh, absolutely. And, and in hindsight, I see exactly what was going on. What was it? Uh, Sam, you see, I think Sam came from a position that he had to work his ass off to get where he got. Yeah. And I think he had to fight through the comedy store. He was a doorman. Yeah. And I remember him saying things like... And he was also a lunatic. And like oh. he was doing something no one else was doing. And he was screaming at people. <laughs> you know, he But I think his- the coke made it even worse. And I think the worship... Because he had guys that were licking his ball sack. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. And it was just... One of those things that when you start getting there, and I think the coke made him just like this crazed guy. He was a great comic. I remember many times he'd pull in the parking lot unconscious, and yeah. they'd wake him up, and he'd go on stage, and he'd kill. Well, the thing was is like I never let myself be completely on board. I didn't know what was happening, but you know I did things. He didn't trust me. You know, like I couldn't. You know, I couldn't just. Completely- but you kind of you tried to do everything to get him to trust you, though, didn't you? No, because I was fundamentally a different kind of guy. I'm not really a follower guy. Right. And like, you know, I remember there were times because I was living at the house, so I had no fucking choice. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I like right. to do blow and drink. But like, ultimately, well, they're coming over. You know, what am I going to go sleep in the other room? That wasn't going to happen. No, they wouldn't let you. No, but there, that was true. Like, they, if I, God forbid, I need to sleep because I've been up for three days. You're like, Marin. I'm like, oh, no, God. So. But there were things I would do that I knew, like, there were times where, like, I knew, like, when about two or three days in, he'd be fucking, wouldn't be able to stop himself from doing shit. Like, the valves were all gone. Like, I remember he was going out with that weird fucking, you know, that sweaty blonde. Oh, the one that had gone out with the guy from uh, Def Leppard? I think so. Like, this weird half a hooker. You know, and it was, I'll never forget, one time she's sitting there, and he's going, and he's getting on everybody. Oh, fucking tomorrow, all this, he's going, all these people. Yeah. And then she's says just coked out of her mind well maybe if you were nicer they treat you with more respect <laughs> and i just remember him like yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <nicer."> sure sir <laughs> it was just like how because at that point i'm on pins and needles knowing that any second there could yeah. be a gun in my throat and i'm dead yeah. that's what i was really thinking was going to happen yeah well, I remember he was all fucking jacked for three days, and I put on an ACDC record, and there's all these people sitting around the table, and he just goes, Bruh! 
and he throws her up on the table and starts dryballing her and shit's flying all over the place and everybody bolted. Well, here was here was the thing that uh, at least one Sam thing that I mean to this day sends shivers. So one night, Nicaphora said, "Yeah, Sam wants us to come up to his place." And I, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Now he's with Malika, and now Malika's relationship when she was dating uh, Angel. I was like, whoa, look at you. Look at those little panties. And I would talk dirty to her and all that. And I'd always hug her and she'd always kiss me and all that. So now she's with Sam. And we're walking in and she came up to hug me and kiss me. And I... And I became a board. Nope. Uh, not, not anymore. Not, no, uh, it's over. Right. Not even in women anymore. So, so. <laughs> I remember sitting down and she's bringing out Jack Daniels or whatever he was yeah. doing. Was it Jack? Yeah, most of what, Jack right. or Vodka, yeah. Yeah, and bringing that out for him and going back and getting the Coke and, and, and the actual cocaine. Where was this? This was at his house. Yeah. And I remember Sam found the opportunity that night to start cleaning his guns. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> It's just Nikaforas, myself, Malika, and okay. Sam and his guns. <laughs> what a head fuck. And I remember Sam would say shit like, you know what? The way you control people is you control their minds. <laughs> and he had, he he controlled a lot of people's fucking minds. Oh I'm wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, what? so like when, well, for me, he asked me if that, I don't have any residue from that. Like, so it took a long time for it to go away, though. Like, I was so paranoid about everything. Like, my paranoia went to mystical proportions. Like, it wasn't just Sam. It was, like, it was some sort of cosmic thing going on in Hollywood, and I had, like... like, When you went to dry out, did you ever do anything after that? What do you mean, in drugs? Like, you said you went to New Mexico. Yeah, did you ever go... Well, no, I cleaned up for, like, a a month, and then I I got about... I don't know. I got about a year here and there, but, you know, I got 13 now, but, like, it took me a long time to get that. But like whenever I'd go back to LA for any reason, I'd go by the store and it would all sort of come back, like that vibration. Right. Uh, and like uh, I actually went back, you know, you know, uh, uh, to the comedy store and Sam was on after he'd sort of arced when he'd gotten sort of bloated, right. and frightening looking, and Madge was there. And I went back to the store, I went in the main room, and I saw Sam on stage, and there was this moment, because he was such a scary guy to me, but now he was sort of becoming irrelevant. Right. And I just saw him on stage, and I had this moment where I'm like, he's just a fucking comic. Right. And and then I saw Madge, and I'm like, can I go, I feel like we got some bad blood, I'd like to fucking get some closure, and he's like... You know what, man? Do your people know who Magid is? Magid was the drug dealer. He was a drug dealer, but he had been he had been like the Iranian army and No, then he... I think the story was that he had fought against the Israelis as in the Palestinian war. Right. And then he came here and he was drafted into Vietnam, right? right? And there was that story where like the, I think the mythology was, you know, he was down on the ground with some other dudes and they were in trouble uh, in in Nam and there a, a copter came and the copter, you know, radioed down and said, you know, it's too hot down there. We we, we got to leave you. And Magid said, well, I got you in my sights, so it's your call. Really? That, that was... I just heard... But the thing about that guy, he had no color in his eyes. Yeah. It, it was yeah. all black. And yeah. the the craziest day, I, I thought, oh, my God, I'm now in hell. Yeah. Was yeah. when he drove in yeah. to the Comedy Store parking lot in Mitzi's car, and Mitzi was in the passenger seat. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. There's no protection at all anymore. Right. Oh, no, I had those same feelings too. Alan Stevens was driving Magic's car around, or you know, Magic's driving Alan Stevens' car around. I don't fucking know, dude. But yeah, but then like, you know, it's like, is he, is, 
like Satan is here. Right. He's, he's back I on I really there. started thinking yeah, yeah. that he had something to do with it. And, yeah. and they so, played that. So you were on the cosmic level too. Oh, well, what Sam had done that was the freakiest thing ever. Yeah. You know, I understand the Holy Bible and the Devil's Bible backwards and forward. I yeah. don't quote anything. Oh, that's a cool hobby to have. I mean, it was like, holy shit. If you believed in God at all, that was piercing. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, 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 yeah, he fucks with the people that he oh. can fuck with. But so I go back, and, and that happened. You imagine didn't take me backstage, and I was fine. And then when he died, I was in San Francisco. It was like 92, 93, probably. Like, is that when he yeah, died? Yeah, 92, April yeah. 92, I believe. Yeah, I was in San Francisco and I heard it. You know, Stu Caymans or somebody called me. Um, and I was like, and like, and still in my mind, it was like, I just want to someday go to his grave and pee on it. Really? Yeah, I want to videotape it. I had this agenda. Like, for years, I'm just like, I'm going to videotape myself peeing on his grave for peeing on my bed. Right. Like, I'd had this thing in my head. <sighs> wow. And then at some point, it's just like, as I got more sober and, and, you know, I went back to the store, it just went away. But yeah. it was like, it was a vibe that this whole city had and it went away. It Thank was, fucking God. Oh boy. You know, uh, the one thing I, I wanted to ask you, yeah. when you talk about Sam with other comics or anything, yeah. do you find that a lot of people didn't really get him? Well, they don't, he, he went on too long. Like, I, I think that ultimately, like, I still listen to Hotter Than Hell. Right. Like, you know, a couple times a year. Because to me, that was, that, was, that was the record. Right. I don't think he ever got back there. No, because then it became showbiz's glitz on the it's, next one. But yeah, but something went wrong. Like, he really believed that he could do the music. And he was that guy, remember, he's like, yeah, I play guitar, but I can never figure out how to work it into the act. Because it was always sort of a hacky thing. Right. And then somewhere that changed. You know, because now he had a bunch of rock and roll friends. And I just think that because of what he represented, cocaine and a sort of, you know, like he was kind of wrong minded about some shit. And then the the music thing. I just don't think people really uh, appreciate what he did anymore. Well, it's I, not I, so much about not getting him. I've talked with uh, like Jimmy Kimmel, who really feels he never really thought he was like spectacular. Yeah. But what he did, and I really kind of analyze this. He only saw him like on his Letterman spots or his yeah when he was like basically harnessed right yeah exactly he didn't see the real guy no those spots are horrible and he'll and remember he used to tell you about because he'd go out there you know when you'd hear Sam talk about his Letterman spots he'd been up all fucking night right and he couldn't say fuck and he couldn't like and, and he tried to wedge a bit in there that he thought would be provocative right and he just never he never got his footing. In regular television, I, I truly believe that. And he, there was no. Real... So he never. So Kimmel never saw the the first HBO right. special. Well, I think that that was one of the great things. Yeah, and that was a cool thing. I'll, I'll tell you this: the one thing, uh, a couple times when I went to his place, he'd bring out tapes like that, and he'd say, "Hey, all right, what's different from the way I do this bit now and the way I did it then?" And it was kind of interesting because here's a guy who's very aware, right? Absolutely, and he, he really loved the art of stand up comedy. Well, I for told sure. did I tell I told Mel Brooks. I think it's the only time I ever told the story. Uh, was that I told it to Mel Brooks for some reason because I asked him like you know because he would always talk you know like you remember he did that great impression of Gene Hackman yes. or, or the elephant. Remember he did the elephant right. and like weird ass shit. And I once asked him. I said, "But what is the key? You know, how did you you know figure it out? You know, and he's like Gene Wilder." And I'm like, what? And then if you watch Gene Wilder and when he starts to explode, you know, the build, I can't do right. the thing in the van. So he took that build 
and made it his own. Really? It makes sense though, right? It really does. Because- well, let's, let's talk about the, the, the success now that we've wallowed in and we're all sweaty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I really am kind of I, I, I haven't got. But you know what? I'll tell you something. You're probably the only person that I could talk to about this ever. Yeah. Because you were there, I knew you were there, and everyone else is kind of like I still don't trust. But let, let's talk. So you did uh, Windy City Heat. Windy City. I was very lucky. I worked on a, I started doing a project uh, where I thought, you know what? This is kind of before reality shows, before anything. I thought, you know what? All I get at the comedy store really right now is I get to MC the potluck show. And I started seeing how many crazy fucking people were there. And oh, describe that a little bit because people don't really realize. And this has been going on since the beginning of the comedy store. If you go by the comedy store, what is it? Six o'clock is sign up. I, I it, it varies. I mean, but, but yeah, you would see people wearing chefs hats, garbage bags, you know, like uh, giants. And there's people that are doing it from before I came to town that were doing that, and they're still doing it. Like a guy comes to mind, a guy named Scotty Barron. Yeah, and it's like they just go to this place, and I look at them. They're it's. Because comedy is the only place where you can go somewhere and get on stage. If you're a singer, they're going to boo yeah. you off the stage. Right. And stand-up comedy, there's places all over town where right. you can go and get but up on stage. But the comedy store potluck was just every week a, a whole line of freaks. and, and But they're just people. But they did, it's almost like... Uh, Trying their right. shot in comedy. Right. So Okay. So you're doing that. So I'm doing that and I'm realizing there's some real characters here. And you know what? They're funny. What if I put a show of nothing but these characters on? Yeah. Well, there was one guy that stood out above everybody else. His name was Perry Caravelle. He called yeah. himself Scary Perry. He's a nut job. And I started doing these shows with this group of crazy people. Yeah. yeah. And Mitzi, I had this main room show booked, like f- over 400 people that yeah. were going to come. And she, at the last second, oh, I don't want insanity in my main room. So she gave me the original room, but I knew that that's all I could ever do. I mean, that was it. The yeah. comedy store isn't going to back me. I had the place packed. Yeah. People went crazy. Yeah. Uh, and so I just started doing public access shows with this Perry guy and uh, a guy, guy named Mole, who now is one on your podcast, and, right? Yeah. yeah. The, the three of us. And yeah. he's, he's like, he's an Emmy award winning writer. Really? Yeah. So he's for a, what Kimmel uh-huh so anyway so and I always have a little hard time explaining everything behind the curtain if you know what I mean yeah because it's still going on yeah and so it's basically so you I were did, doing the public access so doing uh, the public access with the, it was called the ding dong show no it was actually called that's a whole different thing it was oh. called simply Don the public access show yeah and it got to the point where Jimmy Kimmel became our announcer on it how did that happen? Because after about six years of us doing this. and Public re- access show. No. Well, public access show, the shows, just, and mainly what we did is I really thought I can make it a lot better phone conversations than the jerky boys. Yeah. So that's what the whole thing was about, basically. You just wanted to do, do prank calls? To this guy. Which guy? This Perry guy. Okay. So we set a whole make-believe world around him. Yeah. Like a real-life Truman show. Yeah. And when Kimmel saw it, wait. So he didn't know. Perry didn't know. No. Who? So who was in on the make believe world? A lot of people. <laughs> a lot of people. And it became this thing. And we. So I had all these tapes, and like people were kind of going crazy about it. But most people, like I remember, I was I had opened for Dice Clay a lot. What did Perry think was happening? Exactly what we told him. 
What that who's going to be a, a, star. a star? Well, that this is that a movie. That I said what we're going to do is I'm going to make a movie. I promise you I'll make a movie. Yeah. And I didn't give up, and I yeah. kept pushing, kept pushing. Then when Kimmel came in, he was the first person that looked at it as a piece of art. Yeah. And he thought, I love this thing. I want to do something with it. And I'll tell you. And Perry doesn't know. Mm, no. Right. So Kimmel just caught wind of the buzz. He caught wind of the buzz. And, and you said, weren't working for him yet. No. Yeah. He he didn't have anything yet. This yeah. is before the show. Right. This is before the man show. And it was he was just on Ben Stein's money. Right. He just got win Ben Stein's money. Yeah. And he said, I want to do something with this, if, if I can. Yeah. So we did that. He said he'd make a movie. A few years later, he made a movie, but he's been taking care of me ever since. I've been, you know. He made Windy City Heat. He made Windy City Heat. And did and by that time, did Perry know what was going on? No. So he thought it was a real- Well, it was a movie. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but what did he think was going on? Well, during the movie, he thought that he was the star of an- a, uh, an action movie where he played a sports private investigator right right and it's got that feel like the, I've, I've watched pieces of things that you're doing it's really got it like a, a john watersy kind of tim and eric kind of yeah. fucking you're like there, there's that moment where you know the question becomes like are you taking advantage of these people and then you sort of realize like i don't know they're having a good time <laughs> well but it goes back and yeah. you can probably tell this more than anybody these people they just want to be part of something. It's like the extra, because that's what he did. He did extra work. That's how he made his money. Perry. Perry. And now he's like the king of extras. Yeah. Oh, you were in the movie. You made it. Yeah. And so he really, that's, his goals were not that high. Yeah. He's far exceeded those goals because he's, he's loved. Yeah. I mean, people get intimidated by him. Yeah. Like we're doing a show. Uh, You know who Dominic Monaghan is? Uh-uh. He's from Lost. He was actually... Oh, no, I know who he is, yeah. M&M yeah. video with He was Rihanna. one of the hobbits. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I know him, that guy. Well, he uh, supposedly, and as the story goes, uh, Jimmy was kind of friendly with J.J. Abrams. Yeah. And J.J. Abrams, when they did Lost the first season, they kind of had nowhere to go, so the cast hung out together. And one of the things that they became obsessed with was Windy City Heat. Yeah. So it was... It, it's... A lot of people know about it. I mean, there's... Like Mike Judge told me, oh, you know, I've watched the movie a hundred times. And I mean, it's like, it's such a nice compliment that these people love it. Yeah. And, you know, like, so it, it was, it was one of those things. And, but the guy, Perry, like, for instance, we had a sequel set up with Spike Jones, Johnny Knoxville, Jeff Tremaine. They were going to produce the, the next movie. Yeah. For two and a half years, they chased it down. But Perry had some ambulance chasing lawyer that came in and threatened to sue everybody. Uh-huh. So everybody kind of dropped out. Uh, and it's like... So he got he got Duke Big for his britches, right. hired a shitty lawyer. Not hired. A shitty lawyer found him and saw names attached to him and said, yeah. oh, because this guy, all he does is want to settle out of court anyway. He's a predator. What was he looking for? Any kind of money at all. And he got, he got a third of $50,000. <sighs> Because that's what they paid him just to shut up so we could do the second movie. That's horrible. It's it's a crazy thing. But then uh, I guess Jimmy set it up with Adam to do a podcast. Now, I had never done a podcast. I didn't know nothing about it. But we went over to Ace, and we started doing podcasts from there, and we started getting a little bit of a following. Then uh, when I realized we're never going to get a dime, and they hate us over here, yeah, uh, I started doing my own. And yeah. it's it's really, it's 
incredible because we're at an age that you could honestly, through YouTube videos, yeah. through a podcast, yeah. you can have a career. Right, but you but you got this great gig doing warm up. So you got you know you've got healthcare. You've right, got, you know you've got a, a and nice I work, wage. I work about eight hours a week. Yep, but you know Jimmy, you know he did he audition you or did you? How did it work? He, for he, what? For the warm up. Oh, I don't think you do that. I think that uh, uh, he just said you want to do this. Well, he knew that that's what I had been doing because I had I had worked on bless his house with dice because I was opening on the road with dice at the time yeah so i got that and i kind of learned how to do it a little bit and i've always been kind of this high energy guy and so i just kind of learned how to do it and i worked on the man show for four years and jimmy's just he's just a good guy and he's very loyal to the people that are around him i like him oh, I, I think he's the big winner i interviewed him and he had me on his show and it was great i saw you over there yeah i did pretty good there you did great yeah and i had a good time and you know hopefully i'll go back on there but i i have a lot of respect for that guy oh now, what is the Ding Dong Show? Uh, the Ding Dong Show is kind of like what I was doing with Perry before, but now I have a, a whole show that now is on Death Squad. Yeah. So we're getting some pretty good numbers there. As a video show? or As a video show, and then he puts it on there. Well, I, I'm kind of pushing that a little bit. Now I've got some guys that really... I had some guy film it, and we were going to make a movie of it. But what I... But what he missed out on you mentioned this guy earlier who if i can tell this story this is bob abravaya bob abravaya i got him in the show set him up though he's been going to the comedy store for how many years since the 70s okay yeah he's, and he goes on last. he goes on last on all the potluck shows and i'll tell you the weirdest thing but what is he he usually used to do carson monologues he, used to, right? he does a little bit of a carson now he just He's a guy that you slowly saw his mind deteriorate. When I first saw him, the very, as a matter of fact, the very first day that I walked into the club, here's what I saw. It was Bob Apravaya. He's like, he's like, uh, he looks like uh, Middle Eastern. Right. And he, back then he had this wiry, weird hair, but, and he couldn't look at you. And his, his beard. beard was meticulous. Yeah. It was meticulous. Yeah. Well, he's grown into crazy. Now the beard's all crazy. Oh, really? But the very first day I walked in there, I saw Bob on stage and I saw Sam and Carl throwing chairs at him. And I watched this for a little while, and he would, when the chairs were coming at him, he'd stop his act, and he'd put his finger under his nose, and then he would pick up on the next word that he had left off on his act. So if he was saying, I went down to the bathroom to yeah. go and get, come back, toilet paper, because I need, it was like- It's like, like he stopped a tape when the- yeah, yeah, exactly. It was like amazing to me. So- Anyway, I wanted him because everything I, I found him so interesting. Yeah. Like people never see this side of comedy. Yeah. yeah. And so I thought that's what I'd like to get in involved like a guy like that. So Mitzi arranged it. So he was part of the ding dong show. Yeah. And I got him in and then he eventually quit. But the guys that I was doing the movie with, oh, we don't like him. I go, do you understand that this is the reason that I did this whole thing because of that guy right there? Everything else is kind of around it, but I did it because of him. He was like the portal into that world of potluck. Right. Yeah. And a side thing. One night, uh, some people saw this guy, a comic over at the comedy store, saw Robert, uh, Robin Williams watching him from the back. Yeah. And just staring at him. And when he, do you know who Bob is? And Robin really went berserk. And I really believe... What do you mean he went... He went, oh, oh, no, I've never seen him in my life. And I remember a long time ago, Robin used to do impressions of Apravaya. 
he in the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He'd do these impressions. Yeah. And I really started thinking there. He's there every freaking week. He is like part of the comedy store that's his dark secret. Not that it's the funniest thing ever, but he's been there forever. He's almost like the gatekeeper to the place in yeah, a way. Yeah, right. No, I, I I get that. And there's there's mystic things about this yes, guy. Yeah, like he he's always been there. It's right. Like, yeah. It, it's like uh, in the shine. Jack Nicholson yeah. in the shine. Yeah. You've yeah. yeah. always been here, Mister Torrance. Always been there. Yeah. 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 So, uh, but he's he's not in anymore. But he was the inspiration. he was in, well he was in there, and that's what I kind of did. And I had all all these other people, and it's like so now it's getting kind of popular. I'm kind of liking it, and, I, and they can see it on, over on Death Squad on Death Squad on YouTube. Yeah, on YouTube, and uh, I have my big three show every week. And I'm have you heard of Jash? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they also have a video podcast, like with Adam Carolla's on that. Yeah, where they do live things. Yeah. Uh, we're on that. Norm McDonald's on there too, doing a show. So, uh, we're doing that one too. So it's, but I'm just telling you this, this podcast world is insane. So is the ding dong show, it's sketches, right? No, it's anything. It's like a reality show within a show. Okay. With and it's these like, guys. And I'll tell you one of the craziest things, uh, and this is like, I thought, oh, everything's going to happen now. One night. There's nobody in the room during my Ding Dong show, but I just at the do, OR in the no, original it, room. It's, I always do it in the belly room Monday okay, nights. Okay, and I see some black guy in the back. Yeah, sits there, is laughing the entire time. Yeah, he's the only person in the room. After the show, I go up. It's Dave Chappelle. Oh yeah, and he comes up and he's like, uh, "Wow, I'm trying to wrap my head around this." <laughs> I, I'm really having a hard time. And he goes, Neil Brennan was telling me he did some kind of movie, and I just happened to have it, and yeah, I, yeah, I gave it to him. Yeah, I got to check this out. I don't know what's going on here, but it's something else. And I thought, holy fuck, Dave Chappelle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's on my bandwagon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never heard from him again. No, never he, seen him since. Yeah. But I'll tell you one thing. He came to, do you know him at all? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I knew, I remember when he started, and we've had conversations, and I love the guy, you know, but I, I don't know where he's at. I think his show was one of the, it was incredible. Yeah, he's a great comic. Yeah, and uh, when he, one night he came by the comedy store, and I don't know what made me say this, because he kind of keeps to himself when he's there. Yeah. He doesn't talk to anybody. And I just went up to him and said, hey, just so you know, feel feel safe here. People like you. People leave you the fuck alone. When you're around here, come here. Yeah. And I, he kind of looked at me like, wow. And I really saw like this sensitivity of the guy and I thought, his life must be so fucked up in so many ways. Yeah, yeah. Do you know anything about that? Well, I I just think that you know you, you the amount of success that he got and the the precipice that he was on, you know, not, not very few people get there. No, you know, to where it's sort of like, all right, the, you know, you're the guy, and here's a boatload of fucking money, and a boatload of expectations. The deal is made. You know, you're going to be the guy. And like, how many people get to there? No, nobody. A few. And some people are like, great, I'm ready to be the guy. Other people are like, something else happens. You don't think it was drugs or anything, do you? I don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't think it was. I I think it was just pressure and and whatever was going on in his mind anyways. But no, I don't think it was drugs. Oh. Well, Don, it was great. No, it was very nice to see you, Mark. I mean, I'm I'm telling you something. 
that first few years was an incredible time and yeah. and you know you were a very big part of it I, yeah. I i was very happy for your success like and i'll tell you one of my favorite shows i swear to god yeah what was that show you did on comedy central with the clips short attention span theater i i have numerous of them taped really with me did, yeah. yeah well it was just the whole thing because you had great clips in there yeah i remember there did you pick a lot of those or did they have them all there because oh. i noticed a lot of kinnison and stuff in there no that i think some of those were you know people confuse the shows there's stand-up stand-up and there's and then there's my show most of the clips were promotional material like if somebody was releasing something you know the stand-up stand-up was all the stand-up clips my show this was, wasn't stand-up at all this had been like I, back to school or something uh no it was uh it was like when he did spots on other shows like it was interviews of him on another show we it did was, some of that yeah i mean like um we did uh but most of it was promotional like really we, we'd build shows around you know like if, if it was carson's or they were releasing video of the best carson moments or, oh. or movies were coming out because we you'd have the, like bob hope clips and sure. things like that i think so i think so I re yeah. i've got them on tape so okay well yeah tell yeah it's a little hazy <laughs> You've yeah. had a lot of success, so congratulations. But well, thank you, Mark. Thank you for letting me come in here. Oh, you too, man. It was great to see you. I mean, yeah. I, I have a weird, fond memories of all that craziness, and I'm glad you landed on your feet as well. Yeah, well, thank you, and I'm glad you did too. All right, buddy. That's our show. I hope you enjoyed that jam session of thoughts and memories from the Comedy Store and Don's crazy story. I'm glad he's doing all right. I always love talking to the guys at the store. I always love going back. For all your WTF needs, go to WTFpod.com. Get on the mailing list. Get the app. Find out who's been on the show before you wonder if they've been on or tweet at me. Do that. Yes, I'm flying to Chicago. I love Chicago. I hope I don't die from pizza. Boomer lives! <laughs>